0: I was so terrified to ride on the plane and told everybody around me that it was my first time and I think somebody might have held my hand during takeoff like a complete stranger, but then I just got used to it, and now I'm fine
1: I'm famous for packing uh car snacks, so i try and I try and take the edge off the hunger side, but sometimes they they reject the uh hard-boiled eggs and cheese sticks that I've, I've packed so thoughtfully.
2: And that's not to say that the trip was all peaches and cream. There was tension at times, sometimes involving my mom, and sometimes involving me and the children and different things, but we got through it with good memories, I think.
3: This is Made for Love a Catholic podcast about real people living out the call to love. I'm your host, Sarah Perla. Ah, summer. The kids are out of school, parents are restless at work, and the beach is calling. So how can you approach a family vacation a little differently as a Catholic than the rest of society? How do you survive 17 hours in the car with five children and come out okay? That's what we're talking about today on Made for
1: Love. My name is David Spacia, and I'm executive director in evangelization and catechesis. Married almost 29 years, and five children.
3: David has only worked here at the USCCB for a year, so he doesn't know yet to avoid me in the hallways. Come in, come in. It'll only take 10 minutes. David's family usually goes to the beach with his wife's two sisters and their families.
1: A lot of great time on the beach, which. As Midwesterners, we don't get enough of, and uh, it's just perfect for all ages. You know, it works for everybody.
3: He thinks that his family is made up of pretty quirky individuals.
1: We're all a little quirky, and uh, and that comes out, especially in the car ride. So we tend to do long drives, long days in the car, and we all drive each other nuts and simultaneously entertain each other. Kind of that experience of just being together on a journey and We're all headed to some destination, of course. Another
3: family we're going to hear from is the Hadleys. You may remember them from the episode on Big
2: Families. Uh, I'm Jerry Hadley. (laughs) I'm married to my wife, Catherine. And we've been married 41 years, and we have 10 children. I'm Kate Hadley, (laughs) his wife. Uh, I'm Cecilia Hadley. I'm the third of their children. I'm Tim Hadley. I'm the eighth of ten.
3: Now, the Hadleys, at one point decided on rv trips as their mo
2: our first rv trip actually started out of a hard time in our life we had our 10th child i was kind of depressed and i don't know postpartum or what but and he had been born early and had some problems and stuff so we went out for our anniversary i remember and denny's. we were at denny's And and we're just sitting there. We didn't have a lot of money back then. And he, you know, he's like, I think we should plan a trip. I, you know, we've been thinking about this, you know, an RV trip. And I just looked at him and said, you better not be playing with me. Because if I get excited about this, then we're going to do it. So we have to make up our mind. Are we going to do this or not?
3: So they did it. The whole family couldn't fit in one RV.
2: So... We rented two RVs. We had my parents and the first eight children. We left the little ones at home. And we went 6,000... With supervision. With supervision. We filled (laughs) a dog (laughs) pole full of food. (laughs) Edit that. Edit that.
3: If you're renting RVs, you're not talking about a trip down the block.
2: We went 6,000 miles in three weeks with everybody from my parents down to a kindergartner.
3: And like I said, the Hathis liked it so much, they did it again. And again.
2: And we've done two other trips since then. Arizona and New Mexico and California. They're all epic.
3: <laughs> I'm going to introduce you to one more person. And then we're going to hear from all of them on various topics. Here's Shemaya.
0: My name is Shemaya Gonzalez. I am married for 16 years now. And I have two boys who are 8 and 10.
3: Shemaya's family of origin was not a big traveling family.
0: As a child, we did not have a lot of vacations. We were really poor. And most of my vacations with my family was only to a camping ground that was close enough that our car wouldn't break down on the way there.
3: So you might say she's making up for lost time.
0: We started traveling in earnest. Three years ago, and since then, we've been to Chicago, New York, D.C., and abroad, we've been to Mexico City, London, Wales, France, Switzerland, and Italy.
3: The trip Shamaya is going to share about the most is a
0: long stint in Europe. My husband got a two-month sabbatical from his job last fall. So we were in Europe last November and December. So two full months. We took our children out of school, and we were able to just travel for two full months together as a family.
3: Okay, people. Envy warning here. Try not to hate Shemaya, even though this sounds so awesome. And I was dying during the interview. The only thing that made me feel a little less envious is that they were in Italy and. I can't eat garlic.
0: <gasps> and it's not something.
3: <laughs> it's not something you can easily ask about. That is a serious cross, y'all. Okay, now that you've met all our families for today, let's talk about how to keep kids happy, or at least occupied, whether in the car or at the art museum.
1: There's a lot of 20 question games. There's some other, you know, classic uh, license plate games and things like that. A lot of reading. All my kids are characters, but two of them are a little bit um, similar personalities. My oldest son and my youngest daughter. And they occasionally get into, what do they call it? It's essentially like slam poetry competitions against each other, where they start scribbling down their their uh, grievances towards the other and, and, you know, so and put it into a poetic form. And we're usually entertained by various personalities as they start their things.
3: There's also the classic car activity.
1: Books on tape. Books on tape. We did the Harry Potter stuff for a number of drives, which was super fun.
0: Or dare I say, podcasts. <clears throat> we make a lot of games up while we're waiting in lines because In Europe, it seemed like you have to wait in line, even if you have a ticket that you bought online or on the web earlier, you'll wait in line to show that ticket, and then you'll wait in the line to get in. There were just lots and lots of lines. We would think of different games that we could play to occupy our time. Such as? One of them was just the ABC game. We would think of a theme like people in history, and then I would get A, and I would Abraham Lincoln, and then someone else would have B and have to think of something. Say, oh, Benjamin Franklin. Yeah. So we'd change the theme. Maybe it would be cartoon characters or superheroes or food.
3: And, you know, crowd watching can be made into a game.
0: We'd also look in crowds for a certain colored item. I would put my timer on my phone. I'd say, okay, you have five minutes to find as many red shoes as you can. But you can't count them out loud. You have to say them in your head. And then at the end of the time, you know, all of us can say how many we found. So it would be like red shoes or yellow coat.
3: Train stations are great places for that kind of thing.
0: One time we were in Florence at the train station waiting for our train. And I told the kids they were supposed to look for dogs because I noticed there were a lot of people traveling with their dogs. So I said, okay, five minutes, and you can count as many dogs as you can. And one of my sons said, mom, mom, are pigs allowed? Can you count pigs too? And I said, well, not stuffed animals. It has to be like a real animal. And he goes, no, that's what I'm asking, pigs. And he points. And someone was walking through the train station with two potbelly pigs on leashes.
3: What? They're just taking babe on a holiday. If it rains at the beach, you'd better have an indoor activity.
1: We play a fair bit of Scrabble. That's kind of fun for all ages, and they're kind of jigsaw puzzlers. So they like to get big, I don't know, thousand-piece or whatever it is, and they like to just work on those throughout the week or whatever.
3: While in Europe, adults are going to want to spend time in places that aren't the most fun for a seven-year-old.
0: We always bring colored pencils and paper to our museums. We walk around with them as long as they can handle it, just looking at art and talking about it together, the things that we see. And because they've been doing that for, I think, three years now, they're pretty good at discussing art and pointing out things that they see in it. But of course, they're children, so they get bored. So then we pull out pencils and paper. We never use pens because most museums don't want you to walk around with a pen, especially not a child. So we'll just have a couple of colored pencils for them to sit down on a bench and draw something that they see.
3: And let's be a bit more explicit here, because friends have told me that vacations when you have children can actually feel like more work than they're worth. What happens when someone is grumpy?
0: But of course. Everyone gets grumpy and I feel like during our sabbatical, there was always one of us, an adult or a child, that was grumpy for some reason. There were rare moments, very rare moments where all four of us were happy and content at the same time. And when when those moments did happen, we would try to notice it and clap (laughs) like, Celebrate that we were all happy at the same time. Something parents learn
3: early on is that human beings need food. Few of us
0: are still nice
3: when we are hungry. In fact, I'd like to see that added to the canonization process. So-and-so was still cheerful even when she hadn't eaten. I'm a
0: mom, so I always have snacks in my purse. (laughs) So I do try to carry some high-protein snacks to curb Any hangry moments, usually nuts or beef jerky, or we discover dried apricots seem to help too, because they have a little bit of sugar. Everything's magnified when you're on vacation and you're on a trip, especially in another country where you don't know how to communicate or find the things that you need easily. So at home, if someone's Hungry, you can deal with it when someone's hungry in Italy and you don't speak the language and you don't know if it's something they can eat. It, it takes a lot more effort,
3: but sometimes even a snack won't do it.
0: My husband and I will divide and conquer. There's two of us, and we've got two kids. So if one's grumpy, or uh, hungry, or tired, the adult that's least interested in the activity takes that child and and separates them from the group and handles the problem. I feel like my husband usually does that, not because he's least interested, but because he's just a really nice, great guy.
3: It can help to give yourself a little break from each other for a bit.
1: It would be that time of the late afternoon that's kind of the shank of the day, and you're like, oh, we just got to get to dinner time. And we would use video time very sparingly, but what we used it for was one hour right before dinner so that adults could have a little cocktail together and throw the food together and that was great and then the kids would always come up with this scream of it's over and they meant the video but we took it as our our private time together was now over and we just had to make the push for bedtime
3: it can also help to have other adults around here's tim hadley He was on that RV trip across the country that we talked about earlier.
2: I remember getting a lot of attention from my grandparents, mostly because I was told after the fact that every older sibling was bribed to be nice to me. Um, (laughs) I was given like $5 or something to stop picking on me. (laughs)
3: True. And on other trips, Shamaya and her husband have had that support as well.
0: Yes, my husband's sister and her husband... We get along really well, and their children are grown, so they have a little more flexibility to travel. And we've gone to Mexico City with them, and then also Orcas Island, which is close here to where we live in Seattle. And that's been wonderful to go with two more adults. So there's four adults for two children. It's so relaxing and it's great to experience them in that way without the entire family with us.
3: I tell you what, every year I do a day trip to the beach with some friends and their four kids. And every year I'm like, how on earth could you have done this with just the two of you? And they say, we don't. Here's David's solution to grumpiness.
1: I get to have a cold beer whenever anybody's getting grumpy. That seems to be, you know, what what works out for all of us. So.
3: And he also seeks to reward the opposite of grumpiness.
1: I bestow on myself the power to name an MVP of each day. Most valuable person of the day who has risen above and beyond expectations in various ways. Either great team player or helpful or connecting with all various people. So then I'll specifically name that qualities and attributes that they brought that day in earning the MVP award. So I like to think it's highly coveted, and one time I even had to give it to myself very early in the morning when we were loading the car before we even left the house, and I was the only one loading the car, and I told everybody, I already have the MVP, so don't even try for it. So they didn't quite appreciate that.
3: Parents often have worries about vacation. For example... How are we going to pay for it?
1: And maybe in the background, but I try not to talk about it. Are we going to run out of money on this trip? Like, do we, are we, are we, how's this working out? No, kind of kidding, but kind of not.
2: That must have been the Christmas that we kind of had to like make everything. And I remember best Christmas ever. You could only do it once in your life because they would kill you if you tried to do it again. But we don't normally have them give to everybody, but they each had to give to everybody, but they couldn't spend any money. So that there was something to do on Christmas morning, <laughs> and I remember you wrote poems. I do remember that, yeah. And Michael, Peter, did, Peter gave me um, coupons, coupons to be used, like read a book or. And like you like that. would go up. I remember you going up to your dresser and just like pulling out little toys, Oh, baseball, cards and ra- you know, wrapping them up and giving them to everybody. <laughs> so I remember it very fondly.
1: Or what
3: if it's just too short?
1: We worry about getting out the door. Once we're out the door, all is well. And then we probably worry about it going by too fast, you know. So is it, uh, are we halfway yet? That kind of thing.
3: Shamaya shared some of her anxieties in an article on Busted Halo, which I'll post in the show notes.
0: Well, I'm an anxious person anyways. It's something I struggle with often. <laughs> so I worried about... Uh, I worried if we'd get sick, but we would do. I was worried I was missing some sort of major communication. My husband speaks Italian and Spanish, and so he did most of the communication with other people, and I felt like I was going to miss something really important.
3: There are sometimes specific anxieties to specific places.
0: I was nervous that my children would get hit by a car, and... (laughs) Um, When we were in Venice, I was terrified that they were going to fall into the canals and I do not know how to swim and they're not the best of swimmers.
3: Valid, y'all. Valid. Also,
0: I imagined that they would get separated from me in a crowd. Mom standing there, and the the child's just getting swept away, and we can see each other and we're reaching out for each other, but we can't grasp each other's hands. And of course, that never happens.
3: I asked if shamaya's husband shared her concerns.
0: My husband is not an anxious person, thank goodness. He is not neurotic in any way, shape or form. Well, that's nicer. And I am very neurotic. He is the rock of our family. And he likes to say things like, "Shamaya, the gas station on the the corner is not going to spontaneously explode. Everything's going to be just fine."
3: So, how did Shamaya deal with these anxieties?
0: (sighs) How did I let go of it? I feel like it was an ongoing thing, but particularly in that moment that I wrote about for *Busted Halo*, I felt like there was just so much I couldn't control. There is so much that I can't control in life. This sounds funny, but I, I felt like God was almost teasing me. Like, see, Shmaya, you cannot control these things. There's the language you're not going to learn overnight. There was a marathon going on outside of the church that we were in when we were attending mass. And there were somebody with a noisemaker and somebody else screaming and leading everyone in chance to cheer on the marathoners. And I was so disoriented and realized that there was nothing I could do. I could just pray and be in that moment and just appreciate it.
3: She also learned to embrace a good version of FOMO.
0: Then I realized I was really missing out on a lot of fun and a lot of beautiful things that God wanted to show me that I never had the experience or opportunity to experience before. And so I needed to just let go and be in the moment and be present and say, God, what do you want to show me?
3: There's a lot that can be learned on vacation. Some of it is implicit. Here's Kate.
2: It was an intense trip, but I think it really changed the culture of our family. It opened their eyes to... A broader world. You know, all we'd ever done in the past was occasionally go to a beach or something, maybe to Iowa for family, but this really opened people's eyes to what was out there. And unfortunately, now most of them like to really travel and live all over the place. (laughs) It backfired. And
3: some of it is explicit. Here's David.
1: It was when our kids were younger. The summer vacation time with my wife's family, my wife has two sisters, and it's a lot of time for our kids to be with those cousins. And when those kids were all little, my wife and her sisters concocted manners camp that would go on during vacation time. And it was a big buildup bribed with trip in for ice cream at the end of the week. But there would be specific challenges for the kids of different ages and what they had to work on. I
3: asked David to explain.
1: I could start with please and thank you. But then when the kids got to a certain point, it would be like initiates conversation with adults. And then they would have to look for opportunities to go out and do this or pick things up without being asked and volunteering to do. So they would basically like create the behavior that they wanted to see. And then the kids would all try and live up to the manners camp and expectations and earn their ice cream. So that, that was a pretty funny memory when I look back on it.
3: I suggested his wife turn that into a thing. I feel like lots of y'all might enjoy that. For Shamaya, an incident in Venice led to an unusual lesson.
0: We rented an Airbnb in Venice. And after a day of sightseeing, we came home and unlocked the apartment door. And the entire apartment was smoky. And it smelled like fire, as if there was a fire inside. So we had the kids stay outside We kind of figured out what was going on and went through the apartment. And it turned out that someone had left a little table lamp on while we were gone all day. And it had started to smoke. It started to catch the lampshade on fire. So we had gotten home right when it was smoking and it was going to start a fire. We were so thankful that we came home at the right time and caught it so that it didn't start a fire. So what was the lesson? We were obsessed with turning off all of the lights whenever we left an apartment. She also thinks
3: her 10-year-old son recently learned a lesson about sleeping on red-eye flights because he was really tired for their first day in London, so didn't get to enjoy it. And there were lots of things about European culture that were different. They were visiting some American friends who now live in Zurich.
0: We all walked to dinner maybe a mile and a half from their apartment and have dinner. And then on the walk back, their seven-year-old says to their mom, I'm just gonna take the secret way home, okay? I'll meet you at home. And it was nine o'clock at night and it was dark. And the mom said, okay. And she just let the child go home. And my husband and I are holding onto our kid's hands as we walk down the street frightened that they're going to get run over or something. And here's their seven-year-old just saying, later, mom, see ya.
3: Shamaya was like, uh, it's kind of dark.
0: And when we got home, the seven-year-old was waiting at the front door. She had gotten there just fine. And it seemed like a regular, a regular thing for them. She takes the subway by herself and the bus by herself. And that is how things work there.
3: This is not suburban America in 2019,
0: y'all. So we asked her about it. She said, yeah, the kids have a lot of freedom here. It's acceptable. They're supposed to walk to school, even in kindergarten. And if the parent walks with them to school, the parent is publicly shamed the next time that the parent shows up at school. So we were just astounded. We have never, you know, we're not necessarily helicopter parents, but we we don't give our kids a lot of freedom. And that was sort of a wake up call that we do need to give them more freedom.
3: And that isn't just in Zurich. Even in Paris, the school
0: would get out. At, I think it was like four o'clock. And all the school kids would show up at the bakeries with their spending money to pick up a croissant or something to nibble on the way home. And they, <laughs> they were looking at our boys like, well, what are you doing? Why aren't you in school? Why aren't you hanging out with your friends? I just felt so overprotective of them. I'd like to change that. Did they say anything about it? Did they notice? Yeah, they were like, wow, they have their own money. They're just buying something. Where are their parents?
3: And one thing she really hopes that they get from those two months of travel is...
0: For the four of us as a family, that we're always there for each other, and that we can enjoy each other's company during the sabbatical, we kept calling each other the Fantastic Four. My kids are really into superheroes. And so often at the dinner table at a restaurant, they would draw the four of us as the Fantastic Four characters. So in the superhero bodies, but with our faces on them. And sometimes we change which character we were based on the kind of day we, we were having that day.
3: And since David is the head of our evangelization office, I asked for his thoughts on evangelization on vacation,
1: just by going to mass on Sundays, even when you're on vacation, like people notice that. Like, oh, you're you're out of town and essentially you're off duty. You're still going to going to church. Like what? So I, I think that's one obvious way.
3: And whenever you're with other people, especially if you don't see them often, there are opportunities.
1: We tend to see different friends along the way, and everybody's somewhere on the faith spectrum. So it's also just a chance to reconnect with friends and family members and be able to have conversations because you're, you're out of the regular everyday routine, and it's a, it's a time just to visit, and stuff comes up.
3: To conclude, I'm going to leave you with a thought from Shemaya about why it is worth it to take your family somewhere if you can.
0: I wanted them to really experience just how large the world is. I don't think that I've really grasped that as an adult, and I would have liked to learn that earlier in life, and that there's just so many people, and they have different ideas than us, they live in different ways, and at the same time, they're very similar to us. I think that they discovered that it was very easy for them to jump in and play with kids when neither child spoke the same language. So I think they did discover that. If
3: you like what you've heard today, please support this project by sharing it with your friends, subscribing to Made for Love on iTunes, writing a review, or commenting on the show notes at marriageuniqueforareason.org. And be sure to follow us on Facebook and Twitter and all those things. This is essentially a one-woman production, so yours truly did everything, except for the theme music, which is composed and produced by Michael Taylor, and then the new music is from First Comm.